0: Spirit of Grace, thank you for entering into worship this morning with us. Anybody know what this is? Baton. It's a baton. That's very good, right? It's not a billy club. If anybody sleeps during the message you better watch out right? it could be used for double duty but no it's a baton it's one that they use in relay races and maybe you've seen it track teams at schools colleges and so forth in the Olympics they use this and they pass the baton today we're going to talk about passing the baton not the baton as if we're running a race uh, in, the, in, uh, in, in the Olympics or anything else like that for athletic training or whatever but we are passing the baton of what to our children today? Faith, right? We're passing the baton of faith, and this is one of the most important duties, responsibilities that we have as parents and really as adults, as a church family, is to pass the baton of faith to our children, to our kids. Amen? Today's passage comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I invite you, if you want to turn there in the Bible, or if you want to just follow the words on the screen, it's a little longer passage, but I invite you to hang in there with me as I read it for you. These are the words of, of Moses to the Israelite people, to God's people. and. Uh, They are thinking today about the very commands of God and passing those on, passing the baton of faith on to their children. And so I invite you to listen along as I read for you Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 25. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord The the God of your fathers promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Say it with me. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down together and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with the kinds of goods you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful to do Be careful, excuse me, that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, small g, the gods of the peoples around you. No, for the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land." Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your fathers, thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord said. In the future, when your son or your daughter ask you What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has given you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders great and terrible upon Egypt and Pharaoh and on his whole household, but he brought us out from there. To bring us in and to give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all of this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, this will be our righteousness before God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, oh, how we need your help, Lord, oh, how we need your spirit, oh, how we need your wisdom, your guidance. So, God, as we gather today, help us to focus, help us to silence our lips, to still our bodies, to focus our hearts and our minds on you and your word and your will for us. May we hear with the still, small voice of your spirit speaking deep within today. Lord, use me, anoint this message, anoint the messenger, anoint us all as we listen and hear what it is that you are saying to the church, even Grace Church today. May he who has ears hear what it is that your spirit is saying, O God, come, speak to us now, we ask and we pray it in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Some years ago, many of you will remember that the Grace Church, our youth ministry, went through some transitions. We've, we're kind of always in transition here at Grace Church with probably most all of our ministries, but especially our youth ministry some years back. Some of you remember we had a part-time youth pastor, Bob Ford. We loved Bob, and, and, uh, but we couldn't afford him anymore. We couldn't sustain that position. Uh, so we had to let him go, and we had volunteers that were willing to step in. Thank you, volunteers. Did a great job. But as you know, volunteers, were all kind of limited in our time and ability to spend on those kinds of things. And it's about that time that I felt a little tap on my shoulder. I looked, there was nobody there. But God was saying in a pretty clear voice, he said, Dave, you as a pastor, you need to get more involved in the youth ministry right here at Grace Church. And my first impression was, God, you got to be crazy. I'm an old man. I'm in my 50s. How can I keep up with these kids? Oh, Lord, this is nuts, right? And I thought, how am I ever going to do this? And what do I know about youth ministry? Now, it's true. I was a youth pastor in my former life, fresh out of college when I was still young, you know, and physically fit and all of that. And and uh, I did youth ministry for five years full time at a church on the south edge of Holland. Had a great time, cut my teeth in ministry. Was director of outreach and youth, and had a wonderful time. But youth ministry, as you might have guessed, has changed quite a bit. Have you noticed? Yeah, yeah. I thought, how am I going to do this? I wrestled with this, and I talked to a friend of mine in Michigan, who said to me, "Dave," he said, "you know, in today's world, investing." in the next generation is one of the most important things that you or your church could be doing. And I thought about that, and I kind of prayed over that and thought about his words, and I realized that, that he was right, that investing in the next generation is one of the most important things, and it is one of the highest callings that we have as Christians, as believers today, even as a church, and especially as parents. And so five years later, you know, we kind of transitioned into the rock, and the rock is still going strong. We're not perfect. We have our ups and downs. We're not perfect people, so um, there's, you know, we have problems and things too, and uh, but that alongside of Fishnet have been kind of our premier youth ministries here at Grace Church on Wednesday evenings, and we're so glad that we can do that, and that we have so many children and youth participating. I am not a parent, I don't pretend to be a parent, I will likely never be a parent, but I feel for you as parents. I feel for grandparents, and step-parents, and single moms, and really all of you, because together we have this task of raising kids. Today's message As we continue our Standing Tall in Stressful Time series is geared toward parenting, toward raising kids, toward growth and maturity in Jesus Christ. It's what we've been talking about these last several weeks. But it's also for everyone. Because the fact of the matter is we all made baptismal vows to the children and to the parents of those who came before us to have their kids baptized. Here's what the vow reads. It says, We promise to support, love, and pray for you and your children. We will be a church family to them. We will surround them with God's kind love. We will tell them the good news of God's grace. We will teach them Christ's way. And we will pray for them that they may become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the vow that we've all made. They say it takes a village to raise kids. In a lot of ways, that's very true. Friends, we are, Grace Church is that village for so many. It is my great joy and honor today to share with you some encouragement for parenting and for all adults as we seek to raise godly kids who become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. How many of you are parents? How many of you have kids still in the house? How many of you are grandparents? Yeah. Maybe step-parents. Maybe you're single moms. My heart goes out for you, and I hope that you can be encouraged today through this message. Now, I know because I'm not a parent, you probably wouldn't even listen to anything I had to say on this topic. So I borrowed some concepts from Rick Warren, Pastor Rick, in his series, and I love the title of this series, How to Raise Kids or Raising Kids Without Raising Your Blood Pressure. Sounds like a pretty good title, right? That sounds like a good plan. So I want to borrow some concepts from Pastor Rick's course and just share them and make them my own and and embellish them here this morning. The premise here is that healthy families are not an accident. They are the result of wise actions and wise decisions by wise parents. And we as adults have the responsibility of helping encourage parents and kids. So let me give you four key things. There are four really tasks of parenting and really of the church as a whole today. So you might take out your outline, grab a pen or pencil, fill it in as we go. These are for everybody. Four tasks of parents and all of us as we make those baptismal vows. Number one, Prepare your kids for life. Say it with me. Prepare your kids for life. Friends, families are to be learning centers. They are to be a kind of greenhouse for growth, for growing kids into mature, healthy adults. This was true of Jesus within his own family of origin and in his own upbringing. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we read this. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. These are four ways that we all help seek to develop our children, our youth in also. Um, Jesus grew in wisdom. That's intellectual growth, okay? We want to train our kids, teach our kids. We want our kids to to be in school. Jesus grew in stature. That's physical growth, okay? That's uh, growing up strong, eating right, exercising perhaps, um, doing things that help help. create a physical, a strong physical body. Number three, Jesus grew in favor with God. That's spiritual growth. He grew spiritually in his relationship with God. And fourthly, Jesus grew in favor with men or with people. And that's social growth in relationships. These are four things that we all grow in, and kids included. And the primary task of parenting is helping kids prepare for life. It is the task that you take on At the moment of conception, you make a decision to become a parent. Whether you realize it or not, you made a decision to take on these roles and responsibilities as parents. And there are at least three ways that we prepare our kids for life. Number one, relationships in relationships. A key factor, as you know, in determining your happiness is the quality of your relationships. How many of you know that if your relationships are well and if they're working good, that you tend to be a happier person? You're going to have a more positive life, right? On the other hand, if you really don't know how to interact or get along with people, if you're kind of selfish, if you just don't really understand relationships, you're probably going to live a lonely and maybe even a kind of miserable life. Relationships help determine the quality of our lives, and they are primary in the relationship of parents and their kids. But relationships take time. They take effort. They take intentionality. They don't just happen. They've got to be built and invested in over time. And as parents and adults, we must model healthy relationships for our kids. That's one of the most important things in the family. I loved it growing up when I would see dad become affectionate with mom. Now, the most affection that he ever showed in a Dutch family was kissing her when he left for work in the morning. He'd buck her up his cheeks. I can still picture him doing that. But it was neat, you know. There was a warmness. There was a tenderness there. It maybe wasn't always there, but it was at sometimes. And the thing about kids is that we absorb these kinds of things. It's not like you sit down and like, here's point A, B, and C about relationships, they receive this by simply observing the relationships that you all have with each other in the family. And so one of the most important things that we can do as parents and as a church family is to model healthy relationships. Relationships of honesty, and truth, and respect, and affection, and authenticity, and vulnerability, and love, and forgiveness. Kids need to see these things lived out in their lives. Amen? Relationships. Number two, the second thing that we, a way that we can prepare kids for life is through character. Character. They often say that character is who you are when nobody is looking. What drives you? What motivates you? What's beneath the tip of the iceberg in your life? These things point to our character. And character, again, it's not something that's taught as much as it's caught. Kids kind of absorb that when they see you. They know what governs you, what motivates you. Are you an honest person? Are you tender and affectionate toward others? What are your inner guiding principles? Which leads us to the third aspect of preparing kids for life, and that is values. Values. Kids are always picking up values from someplace. Have you noticed that? And they pick them up from you. They hear what you say, but what really speaks to them is what you do, how you spend your time, your money, your recreation. Values about work and about time and church and about relationships, about how to treat your spouse or your loved ones, about God. All of these values are being absorbed by your kids. And they're being caught more than taught. Now, guess what? If you don't impress your values on your kids, guess what? They're going to pick them up somewhere else. Okay? They're going to get them from uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, or the Teletubbies, or, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Springer, uh, his guest, right? I mean, kids are going to pick up values from somewhere. And and I've heard parents sometimes say, well, I don't want to impose my values, my beliefs on my kids. I'm going to let them grow up and kind of decide for themselves, which, you know, which seems very democratic. But you know what? It's foolishness. It's foolishness. That's like saying God is somehow optional. God is not optional. God is at the very center and the very core of our lives. And as long as your children are living under your roof, you have the right and responsibility to impress upon them your values and your beliefs. Don't leave it up to the world, they're going to come back with values that you may not appreciate. Here's what Deuteronomy 6 verse 7 says in the Today's Living Bible. This was a part of our passage this morning. Instead of the word impress, it just simply says, you must teach, say it with me, you must teach these commandments to your children and talk about them when you're at home, out up for a walk, bedtime, first thing in the morning, whenever. But notice it's you who must do the teaching. No one else can do this. It's not the responsibility of the school or the government or the nanny or babysitter or the church or your pastor or even the youth group. Christian education always begins at home. It always begins at home. And it's not an option. You must teach them. It's not like when I have the time, if I get around to it, after work, when I'm feeling up to it, It is a responsibility that we receive as parents, as godly parents, to teach. Again, not so much sitting down, here's a classroom. No, it's about setting the example, most importantly. The thing is, you're always teaching your kids something. Have you ever noticed how they start to mimic you? When I was young and when I was frustrated at my dad at times, and I said, I thought to myself, I'm never going to grow up to be like my dad. And now I look at myself and I'm like, I'm just like my dad. You know, almost. Yeah. Kids are always absorbing. They're taking these things in. And they're always learning because we're always teaching. The question is, what are we teaching them? Is it good or is it bad? Parents need to care. Because if we don't impress our values on them, the schools will, jobs, movies, songs, video games, TV, friends, If you don't teach them your values, they'll soak up others' values, and it may not be what you want. So do not abdicate your responsibility to others. Care enough at times to say, this is right and this is wrong. Take time to spend with your kids. Prepare them for life. That's the first important task of parenting, and really all of us. So we'll pick up the pace. Number two. Number two is to protect your kids in storms. Say it with me. Protect your kids in storms. Notice I didn't say from storms. Storms will come. We live in a stormy world, do we not? Storms are going to happen. There's going to be things that are going to be coming. There's things that come against us as adults every day, every week, every month, every year. We live in a stormy world. We can't shelter our kids from all of the things that are going to happen to them. We just can't. But we can protect them in the storm. We can protect them in the storm. Proverbs 14, verse 26 says, He who fears the Lord has a, seer, has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. Friends, your home can be a refuge for your kids to retreat to in the storms of life. Your relationship, your arms of love can be a, a refuge for your kids your family can be a place of safety and security, peace and protection. If kids can't find it in their family, trust me, they're going to find it somewhere else and it may not be what you want. There are three types of storms in a child's life. Uh, Rick Warren highlights these three. Change. Change. Change could be so many different things. Moving. Moving is a change, Uh, changing schools, graduating is a change, or just going into high school is a change. Losing a loved one is a change, grandma dies or a pet dies, okay? Losing a job, mom or dad get a divorce, that's a big one. Sickness, a friend moves away, all of these things represent change and changes can represent storms in our life, right? Because honestly, people don't really like change right? You know the old story, you know, the the joke about how many Dutchmen does it take to change a light bulb, right? You know, so you've heard all these light bulb changing jokes, right, over the years. So, how many Dutchmen does it take to change a light bulb? And the Dutchman goes, change, change, change. We don't want change. Change can be a storm. Number two, Failures. Failures can be a lot of different things for kids. Not making the team, getting cut from the team, not making the grade, uh, getting let go, or even fired from a job for, uh, for a kid in senior high. These can be perceived failures and they can be crushing. Rejection, the third one. One of the most common forms of rejection for a young person is when they get into adolescence and they start going with somebody. You know how that is. You know, are you going with so-and-so? Does Jerry like me? Does Jerry like Susie? Susie says Jerry, you know, you get all these weird things going on. It's what's so fun about kids. But breaking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, that can be huge. I remember when I was in high school and I dated Christy, Christy V, and uh she was beautiful, blonde, it was just a really nice nice girl, and uh, we went out, we had, saw some movies, went out to eat, it was really great. You know, I thought we were having fun, and I guess she wasn't having too much fun, because after a couple of months of that, she cut it off. Can you believe that? It's like, how can that be, you know, right? So, but I was crushed. I was crushed and I cried. I mean, I had envisioned, you know, we're going to get married. We're going to have kids together. We're going to, you know, have a... It's like kids, they project all of these things, right, into their relationships. And they imagine they're like adults now, but they're not. But they're kids and they, they hurt and they grieve. And if somebody says no, that's the biggest rejection they can feel. I remember crying myself to sleep a couple of nights, you know. This all just happened last week. You know, no, just kidding. Just kidding, you know. It's still sensitive. no. But it's, you know, kids, they experience this, rejection, breaking up, uh, you know, maybe dad walks out. You know, maybe they were passed over for the school play or, or not getting chosen for the new job that they had their hearts set on. Maybe a friend, you know, disowns you or posts something, you know, negative about you on social media. That's a huge thing now. Bullying, all of that, you know, it's out there. But kids need to know that it's safe at home. They, they can cry at home. They can cry in front of you. They can cry in your arms. Uh home should be a place where they can kind of feel safe and let their guard down. Cry those tears to be comforted, cared for, consoled, affirmed for the good in you. Is your home a safe place for your children or for your grandchildren, your stepchildren, whoever it may be? Is Grace Church a safe place for our kids? And there are three practical ways to protect your kids in storms. Number one, hear them. Just hear them. Listen to them. You know, men, dads, we're not always really good at this because men are solution-oriented. We want to fix things, so we like kind of get right to the solution. But sometimes kids and even adults, we just need somebody to listen and to kind of validate our hurt and our feelings. And so that's one of the wonderful gifts that we can give to our kids is just to, to take time to listen. Number two is to hug them. It's okay to be affectionate with your kids. Some of us who raised in a Dutch or German families, were are not very good at this, but it's okay to hold your kids. They need that affection, that affirmation. And number three, help them. Impart to them some of the wisdom that you have learned. When your kids or your grandkids can see you navigating through the storms of your life, In a way that places your trust in God, when they say, you know what, this is hard, this hurts, or when they hear your prayers at the supper table, Lord, help us through this issue. When they hear that and they absorb in their own hearts the fact that you trust God, that you are believing, you know what, this is hard, but God is going to get us through. There are good things in store. All things work together for good. We may not see it now. We may not feel it now. It really hurts right now. But... God will see us through. When you can communicate that to your kids in a posture of trust, that is so huge. That is so huge. You can protect kids in the storms. Thirdly, I love this one, play with your kids for fun. Just say it with me. Play with your kids for fun. You've heard the expression, the family that prays together stays together. I want to submit to you that the family that plays together stays together. Some of you guys are really good at this kind of thing. Playing with your kids. Some of the most vivid memories that I have as a child are when dad took the time to throw the softball with me. Or with my neighbor. Or when he jumped into our little mock softball game and he picked up a bat. And, you know, you always see your, your parents as like ancient, you know. And dad probably wasn't even all that old. But here's this old man, you know, picking up the bat, you know. And he's, you know, swinging the bat and playing ball with us kids around the driveway and things. I mean, that was so fun. I still remember that. I can still picture it in my mind. It probably didn't happen that often. But I rem- when it did, I you just, just lit up. I still remember, you know, piling into the car on a hot summer Saturday night to go to Dumont Lake, 30 to 40 miles south of Holland in Allegan County, to meet our neighbors who lived across the street. You know, we drove all the way out there to do something with, with, with Don and Val Boovey and their kids, and they had kids that were roughly the same age. We all piled into cars, we went out to Dumont Lake, and we just had fun. You know, Dad took the little green Coleman camp stove with a little gas and, you know, and lit up the hamburgers and hot dogs on that, and we would go swimming. And when Mom and Dad got into the water. That was hilarious. I mean, that was so great, you know. You should have saw my dad in a swimsuit. It was just so fun, you know. I mean, it was just so fun when you're a kid. You just remember those things and they just, they just help you so much to, to just be healthy and to know that life isn't always serious. You can have fun. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, children are a gift from God. They are his reward. You know, what do you do with gifts? You don't just endure them. You enjoy them. If children are gifts, we can enjoy them. How many of you know that your kids grow up way too fast? You know, you get together at family parties. The aunts and the uncles are all like, whoa, how tall are you now? You know, it's like the kids are like, they start grabbing you by the cheek. Oh, you know, it's like, you know, driving kids nuts, right? But The kids, they grow up way too fast. And your time and your lives together is really, really quite short. Before you know it, they'll be out of the house, getting busy with their own lives, maybe starting their own family, having kids of their own. So enjoy your kids today. You know, have a movie night. Have some pizza, maybe one night a week. Take them on vacation while you can still get them in your car. You know, have fun. Create some memories of your own. Last a lifetime. You'll never regret it. Some of the funnest times you had and some of the most fun times that your kids will remember growing up. So the task of parenting, prepare your kids for life, protect them in storms, play with them for fun. And fourthly, maybe the most important thing, point your kids to God. Probably the most important task of all is passing this baton of faith onto your kids. Friends, God is not optional. Don't leave this up to the schools or even the church. We'll do what we can. We're here to support you. But it's your responsibility as parents, even grandparents. Kids need to know that they are loved by God, that Jesus died for them. They need to know that God is the center of all of life. You know, without this, you can have all of the fun you want. You can teach your kids good morals and how to be responsible or good citizens. But if they don't have God, what's the point? You can buy your kids the latest gadgets, iPhones, the most fashionable clothes, the coolest shoes. But what good is it if they don't have God? You can do all kinds of things to make your kids happy while here on earth. But the real question is will they be with you in heaven? Do they know God, the Lord Jesus, as their Savior? Jesus said, What good is it for a person to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? You see, kids don't need things. They need relationships. And the most important one being their relationship with God. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, kids can work the rest of their lives. Give them a break. Take, take Wednesdays off. Join us here at church. Kids need to know that they are loved unconditionally by Jesus and by you. They don't need a bunch of stuff. They need God. And it's your responsibility as a parent to point them to Jesus, to pass this baton of faith onto them. God entrusts us with many things, doesn't he? He entrusts us with resources. He entrusts us with life. He entrusts us with maybe some money, some property perhaps, many possessions. The most important thing that God entrusts us with is children. The most precious gift that he could give. How are we doing in your trust with your kids? Ephesians 6-4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Do you know that a recent study showed that fathers spend an average of less than one minute talking to their children per day? This is when they're in the house. Less than a minute. Dads, that's just not going to cut it. But more important than the words that you say is your example. Faith in God is more caught than taught. Kids receive faith by seeing it lived out in your life. Are you reading your Bible? Do you have a prayer life? Do you as a family bow your head before meals? Are you getting yourself and your kids to Sunday worship, setting that example? Do you make sure your kids are a part of Fishnet or The Rock or at least some youth group in the area? Do your kids see you trusting God in your storms and struggles? There was a time in the life of the Israelites when Joshua was their leader. And he challenged them very boldly. He kind of threw down the gauntlet and he said in Joshua 24, verse 15, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I invite you today, parents, grandparents, step-parents, single moms, single dads, adults, members of Grace Church. Let us serve the Lord. May our households be learning centers for growing kids in the direction of Jesus. Not leaving it up willy-nilly to the schools or anybody else. But may we accept this responsibility. And we're here to help as a church any way that we can. Let's pray. Father, come. Holy Spirit, come. Forgive us, Lord, when we sort of farm out the responsibility of raising kids to others, to the schools, or even the church. When we know that Christian education begins in the home, it's a part of the core family value. It's a part of what we want for our children. We want to see them in heaven. We want our grandchildren to be in heaven. We want them to know Jesus, even now, in the blessings and riches of His life. So God, would you come and help us as a church to, to value and revalue the, the trust that you've given us in raising kids Lord, maybe there are some here who don't have kids and wish they did. Others who are single. But Lord, let us know that as a village, we can all raise kids right here at Grace Church. We contribute in our own little ways, whether that's on Wednesday nights or by being a prayer partner, by doing other things to set a positive example. Forgive us, Lord, when we get on the negative side and You start to grumble about our kids or their behavior. Help us to get on the solution side and to begin to pray, even daily. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.